Thank you for joining us for another podcast from Covenant Community Church. And now, today's message from Senior Pastor John Lofton. Come on and give him a praise. Come on and give him a praise. Mm. Hallelujah. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I just song just has a way of getting your heart right. How many of you were touched by that song? Uh. Uh. <laughs> Hallelujah. God wants us to live a life of overflow. Open your Bibles to the book of Psalm chapter 23 for me. Psalm 23, uh, verse 1, uh, we're going to start there, but I'm going to start off with a lot of scripture to start off, okay? Is that okay? Can I do that? All right, so we're going to read a lot of scripture starting off, and then depending on how the Holy Spirit is going to guide and lead this thing, I don't know where we're going to end up, but wherever we end, we're going to end up where he wants us to be. Praise God. All right, Psalm chapter 23, I was going to start with verse 5, but I, I think I need to start with verse 1. Because it says, the Lord is my Adonai Roi, my shepherd, I shall not want. So in other words, when the Lord is your shepherd, you shouldn't want for anything. He makes me lie down in green pastures because sometimes God has to make us lay down. And if we don't lay down, he'll, he'll conjure up or something for you to make you lay down. How many of you understand that sometimes when you're laying on your back and you're sick, that's when you get a lot of prayer in? When you should have slowed your little behind down before you got sick. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. That's two other names for God, Jehovah Shalom, which is peace, because he leads us beside the calm waters, and he restores my soul. That's, that's the Jehovah Rapha. He heals me. Amen. He leads me in the paths of righteousness, that's Jehovah Tosikinu. We know that one, the Lord our righteousness, for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Probably because he's present with me, amen. That's, that's Jehovah Shammah. And because he is present with me, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. We're talking about his word right there. You prepare a table. Now, this is the good stuff right here. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. How many of you had some enemies or have some enemies? Uh, if you don't have any, just hold on. You're going to get some. Especially after this message, you're going to get two or three right out the gate. He says, he, you anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Somebody say overflow. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord. How long, saints of God? Forever. That's a long time, isn't it? Forever. So go back to verse 5, the B clause. It says, you anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over over and I begin to think about this message filled and overflowing from that verse of scripture right there but I will be remiss if I don't tie it in with a few more scriptures so I need you to turn with me 
to the Gospels, to the book of Luke, if you don't mind, Luke chapter 6. I want to read a passage of scripture there that is also very familiar. Luke chapter 6, verse 38, we're just going to read one. And then we're going to go to the book of Romans chapter 8. I love the word of God. I love teaching from the word of God. And I believe in churches today, people want to be taught. I don't believe you came in here for me to emotionally massage you. I truly believe in my heart of hearts that you came in here to learn something. And I've asked God to please help me to do that. Luke chapter 6, verse 38. It says, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Somebody say overflow. Will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Now turn with me to Romans chapter 8. And I promise to try to tie all of this in. Romans chapter 8. We're going to start reading at verse, verse 35. I think I want to start right there. Everybody still with me? When you get there, say, I have it. Okay, the verse 35 says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? So notice it says who, not what. So sometimes it, it's the result of a person that can separate you from the love of God. Now, it does not mean that God does not love you. God always loves you. But sin separates you from God. God will always love us. However, we can allow people in our lives to separate us from that love, even though it's there. Um, I see it like this. Uh, have you ever seen a person that uh, is on oxygen? You know, they got the oxygen tank, and they can barely breathe. But you're standing right next to that person, and you're getting all the oxygen that you need. It's not that the oxygen is not there. It's just that that other person doesn't have the capacity to receive it. Yeah, and sometimes when we're talking about overflowing in the word of God, there are people that will sit in a church right next to each other. One person is receiving everything that they need, but the other person, they need oxygen. So is the thought is here, yeah, they're going to be loud, so you got to get louder. I want them loud. I told them not to, nah, -uh, uh, I want them loud today. They having fun over there, so I hope y'all going to have some fun too. Praise God. So y'all going to, uh, hey, so y'all better get louder than them, praise God. I better get some good amens in here today. Amen. Praise God. <laughs> so when we start talking about who can separate us from the love of God, you got to ask yourself, do I have someone in my life like that? That I have the capacity to receive all that God has for me, but I can't do it because of a restriction. Maybe it's something, some decisions or choices I've made in my life that's restricting the full flow of God's love. God always loves us. His hands is always, they are always extended to us. But are we doing something to reject those hands? Do you have a person like that in your life? If you do, you need to pray about staying away from that person. Apostle Paul goes on to say, trial 
uh, tribulation or distress, a persecution, a famine, a nakedness, a peril, or sword. Now, these are things also that can separate you from the love of God. Sometimes when we go through things, we would have the propensity to think that somehow God doesn't love us because we're going through things. Uh, we can get diagnosed with something. Uh, uh, the doctor can tell you that, you know what, you got uh, uh, hepatitis or you have uh, a heart disease or you have cancer or, or you have uh, uh, any other of those diseases, uh, disease is, is what I call them, in your life. And see, when that happens, what are you going to do in your human nature? When that happens, I know that we are in this flesh because I was one of those people behind the desk saying that I have cancer. So I'm going to tell you, immediately my faith did not kick in, but I wouldn't allow my unbelief to separate me from the love of God. Uh, you can sit here and glibly say, I have incredible faith until it's you behind that desk. God will always love us in spite of what we have to go through in our lives. And we should not be trying to determine if God loves us based on what we do or don't go through. God's love is permanent, it's infinite, and it's unchanging. God does not lie. No, I take that back. The Bible says he cannot lie. Huge difference. So since he cannot lie and his love is always extended to us, then I would just choose to receive it. Amen? It says, for your sake we were killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Verse 37 says, and yet, somebody say, and yet. See, and yet is like the word but. It's just like your testimony. <laughs> when you're sharing your testimony, you always talk about the bad stuff first. But there's usually a transition in there somewhere, but God came through. See, that's what Apostle Paul is saying. Yeah, I went through all of the persecution and the famine and the nakedness and the peril. I had some crazy folks always hollering at me. I'm going to get ghetto today, so I'm not trying to be politically correct. So I had some crazy ghetto-fied folks trying to holler at me, and they're always distracting me. But yet in all these things, the Bible didn't say that we are just conquerors. It said that we are, come on. See, somebody say overflow. See, see God did not fill us with his spirit so that we can be nominal Christians. He did fill us, but he want us to be overflowing. Because, yes, you may have God, but that is not the problem. The problem God has is not getting his spirit to us. His problem is getting his spirit through us. Overflow so that people can see the God in us. So that we can be a blessing to somebody, give an encouraging word to somebody, to lift somebody up when they've been depressed. But when we don't understand what we have in God and we play this victim's mentality, then you can't live in victory because you don't quite understand that you should be filled and overflowing. He goes on to say that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us, for I am persuaded. Boy, that's, I tell you what. See, saints of God, I'm telling you, there were scores of times when, when I was driving back from Atlanta from getting my radiation treatments, 
And, you know, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. How many of you ever have, oh, you probably not because y'all are probably a little bit more saved than I am. How many ever have a little go-through? Have a little go, you know what I'm saying? You have a little, you know, you have a little go-through. It's not that, you know, you, you're walking away from the church or you're walking away from God, but you just got a little issue with God. Come on, anybody, see, if you just want to be honest, I've, I've had, I, I was a pastor and I still, me and God had something going on. I had, I was, I was hey, God, something, what's up? <laughs> we got to talk right now. And so sometimes when you start talking and you start crying, because you don't quite understand, you're confused. You don't quite understand. God, I've been doing this, God. I'm just running through everything that I've done. God, I've been doing this. I've been sowing. I've been giving. I've been blessing folks. I've been forgiving people who I don't like. You know, I don't like them family members. I hate them. I don't like them, but I forgave them anyway. But I became better, not bitter, God. I'm trying to do all this stuff, but yet, in spite of all of that, yet, cancer still came up in my life. And so that's what I had to do. I had to run through all the stuff I did so God could show me all the stuff I didn't do. <laughs> yeah, 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 see, see, God will let you do that too. He'll let you vent. I love God. He will let you vent. He will. You can vent, cry, plead the blood of Jesus. You can be in the shower, crying, in the shower, crying all night, and God will let you do it. I love our God. I love him. I love him. And as soon as you shut up and start listening, God will share some stuff with you, won't he? But, but, I, um, let me go Alabama. Can I go Alabama for a second? I guarantee. I guarantee that what he shares with you, you're not going to like. Because what he's going to do, he's going to take it right back to you. John Lawton, this is not about what you're doing. This is not about cancer. This is not about what you're giving. This is about not about you forgiving. This is about me and you, son. Are you still going to love me and go through pain? That's when the tables turn like Apostle Paul because then I was persuaded. Hallelujah. See, Apostle Paul says uh, in all of this, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So you got to be able to have your little go through, but the tables are going to turn and you get persuaded that although I know I'm going through this, I know you're right there with me and you're going to get me through it. Amen. Can I get a witness in here this morning that how many of you have been here, been through something tough like that and, and you, nobody was calling you, you was by yourself and, and you had questions in your mind, but God brought you through by a show of hands right now. See, we serve an awesome God. See, he doesn't just want to fill us. He want to take us to the overflow. And so let me get right into this. As Christians, we should not just be satisfied with just coming to church, doing our little church thing. This is not about the church, the four walls, because the Spirit of God wouldn't have even been here if you had not showed up. God doesn't inhabit inanimate objects. He inhabits his people. So the church is not the four walls. The church is people. The church is you. Somebody say he's talking about me. Therefore, being filled and overflowing in the church means you. It doesn't mean that we come in the church and everybody's laid out in the floor. What is that anyway? 
Because I'm sure about 40, 50 percent lying anyway. They acting, play acting. It's not real. Some of it is. I ain't lying. Some of it's real. But now some of it is not real. If somebody's pushing you down, that ain't real. Come on, ain't nothing real about that. Amen. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about here? How many of you guys remember R.W. Shambaugh? Shambaugh. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen Shambaugh's hands. Shambaugh has hands like a quarterback. I mean, that brother has some big old hands, and he came to our church one time at Free Chapel, and he was praying for folks, and I was down at the altar. I looked at Shambaugh's hands. I said, Lord, if I ain't saved now, <laughs> when that brother slapped me with them big old hands, I will be saved. Sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. I ain't lying, that brother. All right, I'm sorry, I took a little detour. So, so let's go back to Psalm chapter 23. Let's go back to Psalm chapter 23 because David starts off by saying, "The Lord is my shepherd; I shall not want for anything." David had more than an ethereal understanding of what it meant to be a shepherd. See, as a shepherd, let me just explain something about sheep. Sheep need a shepherd. Why? Because it's the shepherd that provides protection. It's the shepherd that provides safety. It's the shepherd that provides food. It's the shepherd that provides guidance. Sheep, let me, let me just, I know this is crude, I'm sorry. Forgive me. When Christians are referred to as sheep, that is not a term of endearment. When Jesus calls us sheep, it, it, it doesn't mean that it, we all had great saints because sheep are pretty dumb animals. Sheep without a shepherd. They just run off. They don't know what to do without a shepherd. Sheep are not very smart animals. That's why they need a shepherd. And so what would happen is at night when they got ready to go to sleep is something called a sheepfold. Say sheepfold. Sheepfold. And so what the shepherd would do, he would guide his sheep in the sheepfold. And the sheepfold was just a group of rocks or branches that was in a, a half, um, a full circle, almost full. But there was just one way to get in and there was one way to get out. And so once he leads the sheep, because only the sheep that know his voice can be led into the sheepfold. So the sheep that know the shepherd's voice because the Lord is our shepherd and when the Lord is speaking he can lead us into the sheepfold where we can find rest but this is what the shepherd does before once he counts all of his sheep to make sure yeah yeah okay Kevin yeah mm -hmm, yeah 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 I got Lavelle in there yep yeah, uh, yeah Renee yeah I got Renee right there uh, okay uh, that's Caitlin I got her over there yeah yeah Elaine uh, yeah yeah uh, I got Tim over there uh-huh uh-huh uh -huh. so so he's counting his sheep he knows his sheep by name the sheep can rest because at the entry point, the shepherd lays down. Because the shepherd knows that before you can get into my sheep, you got to come through me. That's why when you read over in John chapter 10, he says, I am the door. Woo, come on, let's go to John chapter 10. I told you I didn't know where we was going. He just told me, go to John 10. Let's go to John 10. Y'all ready for this? I need the music now. Dun, 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 dun. 
Oh, no, we can't. Thought I was at the ball game. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, y'all got to get me to come back. I ain't lying. I'll go out there on you in a minute. That's all those years of drinking. <laughs> Thank God I'm saved. Hallelujah. Is this making sense at all, saints of God? Now, I'm going to come back to that sheepfold, but I got to read some word to you. John chapter 10, verse 9. Are you there? When you get there, say, I have it. So I can't go there yet. Go to John chapter 10, verse 1. I got to show you something. Are you ready? To, are you ready to learn? Somebody say, I'm ready to learn. All right, you ready? All right, John chapter 10, verse 1 says, Assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, is the same as a thief and a robber. So Jesus, the one laying at the entryway, he says, if you don't come through this entryway, in other words, if you try to climb over some kind of other way, you think crystals and Buddhism and Hinduism and atheism is going to get you to me. You got a sad story coming to you. Jesus says there is only one way in. And if you try to come another way, you are a thief or a robber. Is this making sense at all? I don't mean to scream, but you can tell I'm pretty excited about this. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Praise God. Now, I don't have time to read all of it. Let's drop down to verse 9. And then Jesus goes on to say, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. So let me just read that in the reverse. If anyone does not enter by me, you will not be saved. Pretty clear. You don't have to have a theological degree to understand that, right? You don't have to go to, to cemetery, seminary. So you're already there. You're already there. Amen. So he says he will be saved and he will go in and out and find pastors. Look at verse 10. The thief, uh-oh, does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Stop right there for a second. He said the thief, not the devil. Now, I know everybody in here have heard the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus is speaking. Jesus says it's the thief. Well, who's the thief? It's not the devil. Because you got to go back to John 10.1. That's why you got to keep the scriptures in context when you study the Bible. Otherwise, you would be all flying off the cuff with some old false doctrine. He says the thief. Who's the thief? The one who tries to come another way. Who was Jesus addressing? The Pharisees. He was talking to the Pharisees. He was not talking about the devil. Oh, by the way, saints of God, the devil can't steal, kill, and destroy anything unless you give it to him. See, when you, when you see the scripture in the right context, then you can understand the authority that Jesus Christ has given you. But when you start talking about going into the enemy's camp to steal something, or when you start talking about the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy, then you don't quite know what your authority is. We got the victory in Jesus. He's already won the battle. So he called us to rebuke devils, not to go into their camp. See, I can help save some of y'all going up in there and getting stuck. You tell that preacher, he tell you that again, you say, you go first. You tell him, you tell him. Pastor John said, you go first. I'll watch you. You go first. 
I'm coming. I'm coming. You going on up in there? Is this making sense, saints? Now, I'm not doing anything but, but, but reading the word of God. I'm not trying to pass off some false doctrine. Now, let me put it this way. The devil can steal, kill, and destroy. But I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Somebody say, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. What is wrong with us? Just hype up the devil all the time. When we got all of this authority inside of us called the Holy Ghost and we're not living our lives in the overflow. We're barely making it. Barely coming to church. <laughs> you just don't understand, Pastor. I'm just going through so much stuff. None of us ever went through what Jesus went through. Anybody ever had to shed blood for your belief in Jesus Christ? Do you know that's coming? Do you know it's already here? ISIS is killing people for believing in Jesus. And if we don't kill them now, they're coming to America to kill us. So you know what side of the boat I'm on. I'm about taking them out, not playing with them. You don't play with evil. Jesus never played with evil. He cast evil out. As a Christian, you don't play with demons. You cast demons out hello somebody all right so we need to stop playing somebody say stop playing look at your neighbor and say stop playing <laughs> david understood as a shepherd what it meant to say the lord is my shepherd because as the shepherd jesus does provide protection for us as a shepherd he gives us food which is the watering of the word of God, which feeds us. That's why, as a Christian, the Bible says, study to show yourself approved, a workman unto God, that needed not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. What is that? That's studying. That's not just for the preachers and the apostles and the bishops and the, and the prelate of District 5 over there on 4th Street. That is for everybody in the church. Everybody. Everybody. If you claim to be a Christian, then you should be the one studying the word of God. Otherwise, you're going to be following behind these, these doctrinal issues, thinking that is in the Bible, but it might not be. And you may not understand your true authority because you're too busy hyping up the devil. He has no authority over the church, saints of God. So why are we even giving him room? It's all about Jesus, Christ the King, who came to save this wretched world. And he not only want to fill us, he wants us to overflow in everything that we do in our lives and touch every daily activity that we do. When you go to work, you should be overflowing. But if you get the work late, oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> Y'all see how that turned right there? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, I'm not. So if you get the work late and you're the one complaining, hello, you're leading the complaint. It's not just you get involved. You're the ringleader. Can you believe that they gave her a promotion? She don't do nothing around here. I'm the one that was, I can't roll my neck like sisters, but I see a lot of white girls could do it too. So I just, I, I know it, I just, it looks ugly, don't I? I know it. You know those little people that kind of get together in those little groups? I hope we're not joining them. Amen? Because God sees it. And so when you are praying for promotion, God sees that you've been coming to work late. 
he sees you had an old stink attitude. He see, huh? Am I, am I hitting something here? Y'all got quiet. Why y'all so quiet? Y'all was giving me some good amens. Okay. <laughs> it's like, man, it's been, you talking about me, Pastor? Now, I'm telling you something. I used to be like that. I was like that until I, I got real saved. That first save, I was just playing around. But when I got real saved, <laughs> y'all know what I'm talking about, right? When you first got saved, you, you did it out of obligation. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I did it out of obligation. I am not trying to put my convictions on you. I'm sorry. I, please forgive me. I did it out of obligation because I just, you know, I had nowhere else to turn, right? But then, then he did something. He, he, he filled me with the Holy Spirit, and that was a game changer. See, when I got saved, I was filled. But when he baptized me in the Holy Spirit, I was overflowing. Because he then... Everything in me changed because I had the power to overcome my mind. Because your mind drives your heart. And if you don't renew this, your mind will drive your heart. That's why Apostle Paul says, renew your mind by the reading of the word. And if you don't read and study the word, and if you don't renew your mind, then your heart is always going to drive you in a worldly and a carnal way. Always because the flesh only knows flesh. So when you say, I, I got scared, that's okay because you feared in your flesh. But Jesus haven't given us the, say it, spirit of fear. See, the spirit is different from your flesh. You're always going to be fearful in your flesh, but he hasn't given us a spirit of fear because your spirit is never afraid. Even when you feel scared in your flesh, your spirit, man, come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. Your spirit, man, says, come on. Gird up your loins and let's do this, right? Because sometimes you can talk yourself out of stuff. You don't need the devil anyway. You can just say, fuck, come on, come on, say to God. God shows you something that he wants you to do, and the first thing you do, I don't know if I can do that, Lord. Come on, come on. I don't know, Lord. I, you know I'm broke. I don't, have, I don't have no money for that. You know them people ain't going to help me. You know I don't have, I don't have the, the right education. I didn't matriculate from the right university to start this kind of business. I don't have the right contacts for this. God, you know who I am. You know where I came from. You know I came up on the other side of the tracks. God, you know all of my friends. You know my family is crazy. And God said, I knew all of that when I gave it to you. Now what you going to do with it? Are you just going to be filled? Are you going to allow me to overflow in your life? Because if you want to be filled, you're only going to go so far. But if you want to operate in the overflow, then you might have to step into some areas that are uncomfortable. Hello, somebody. A rubber band only works when it's what? All I see is a bunch of rubber bands out there right now. I know y'all saying, Pastor, don't be looking at me. <laughs> I'm tired of being stretched. Amen. And so listen, so we understand about Jesus. He says, I'm the door, the sheepfold. You understand that now. But look at the B clause in 1010. This is where I want to get to. He says, the thief comes not except to steal, kill, and destroy. And we're talking about the Pharisees or religion who tries to come another way. He said, I am come that you might have life. Life is filled. But he didn't stop right there. He said, inhabit more abundantly, that's overflow. Now, as a Christian, you do have the ability to stop with being filled. 
But God does not want us to stop there. He wants us to experience his abundant life. Let me tell you something. I, I don't believe, and, and let me make sure I say this correctly. I, and I'm making, this, I'm making this personal. I don't believe that I, John Lofton, would have been able to live the abundant life if I had not had to deal with all of the vicissitudes of life. All of the hell that you go through in your life, all of the tribulation and all of the, the misunderstandings and the confusion and people stabbing you in your back and people turning on you, family turning on you. See, it's when you go through things like that is when you can understand that you're ready for the overflow. And see, when people start talking about God is going to bless you until you overflow, let me just teach you the biblical context about overflowing, because if you want to overflow, you're going to have to go through. I, every, every situation I've read in the Bible, people who lived that life of overflowing had a life of tremendous tribulation. Uh, if you look at Christian television today, you see an anointed man or woman of God preaching the word of God. You say, whoa, they just so anointed. I guarantee if you look through their life, they have been through a lot of tragedy. See, the overflow is nothing but the anointing. See, when you live in the anointing, you go through stuff to keep it. Amen? Because it's easier to get something than keeping it. Hey, glory to God. See, it was easy to get married. It didn't take but a $60 license. But bless God, it's so hard to keep a marriage. What do you say, boo? Amen. <laughs> she's married to me, praise God. <laughs> And 20 years later, we hadn't killed each other yet, amen? But let me tell you something. Marriage is not easy. Young people who are still single, take your time. <laughs> Please take your time. Make sure you marry the right one, because if you don't, you, ooh, you're going to have hell to pay. Even if you marry the right one, you're going to have <laughs> I got the right one, baby, uh-huh. I ain't lying. I married the right one. Ain't nobody, nobody would put up with my mess like my wife. And I know that. That's why I ain't got time for these little things. I'm sorry. I almost said something else. I almost went ghetto. <laughs> so y'all need to pray a little more. Praise God. <laughs> praise God. I get them hitting them. They hit on me. They hit on, they hit on all the men up in here. I bet you. We got some good looking brothers up in here. And, and yeah, they hit on you. You know, you know how the most skanky jokers hit on you. Yeah, come on, y'all know what I'm talking about, right? And we, we men, come on, let me teach a second here. And we need to have a snap back neck. Let me go and get good and real up in here right about now, cause y'all know. Look, I work in uptown during CIAA. I just work from home. <laughs> Some brothers rubber band just broke. They just. <laughs> Man, them brothers about to run into a pole because they. Come on now, we say, but we, we ain't blind, right, guys? And say, so, yeah, I mean, sometimes I make mistakes and I go, oh, God, uh-uh. <laughs> I ain't lying. I'm just being real. I ain't lying. 
I ain't lusting or nothing, but I'm just like, uh-oh, that ain't even right. <laughs> that ain't even right. Uh, hey, the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus. <laughs> tie my bow tie by a Cadillac. See, one time I, I got bad. See, I know when I'm weak. I know when I get weak because every man ain't going to be on the mountain every time. But see, when you expose it, that's when you can defeat the enemy. I went to my wife one time. I said, baby, I need you to pray for me. And she's, she's a testimony. She'll tell you. I said, I've been kind of looking. I've been looking long, but it's, it's too long for me. And I need you to pray for me. When you expose the enemy, he has no authority over you. See, we, we have a great relationship, and we had it before Aaron, one of y'all, came to this church. So our relationship, we don't play games to try to prove anything to any of you. I know what we got at the house. And if every one of you got up and walked out, I'll still have it. Our relationship is not contingent on what you do. It's on what we do. Right? So when you expose the enemy for what he's trying to do in your life, but, make, make, but fellas, make sure you got that kind of relationship with your wife. Yeah, I just want <laughs> the Holy Spirit just put a check in me. I ain't lying. Holy, <laughs> Holy Spirit said, bro, put a caveat out there. I ain't lying. I'm saying, make, make sure you got that kind of relationship with your bride before you uh, make a mistake like that. Don't say the pastor told me to tell you that I got problems and I'm lusting, girl. I need you to pray. Lay hands on me right now. Anoint me with oil or let my cup run over. And by the time she finished beating you with that frying pan, bro. <laughs> then you be calling me pasta. <sighs> I need you to pray for healing. <laughs> Praise God. Religion leads you another way. A relationship leads you to the door. So let me go and wrap this thing up. I got three keys I want to talk about today and I'm done. Okay. How do we experience a life filled and overflowing? See, a life filled with peace is a life of overflow. Because, see, it's, it's saints of God, let me, uh, I, hey, I do, let me just make some corrections here. I do believe in biblical prosperity. I really do. I do. I do believe God wants to bless us. He's already blessed us. But I also believe in having a balance. God does not mind you having, driving a Bentley. He does not mind you living in a nice home. He doesn't mind any of that. He, he minds things having us. God will bless you today. He can trust you. So it's not about things. Just, just hear me close here. So, but God does want to prosper us. But we've got to understand biblical prosperity and worldly prosperity are not the same thing. See, let me just give you a scripture here. I'm going to give you this for free. It says, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. So biblical prosperity is about your soul. It's not about a check. Because there are people who get a check, but they're still broke in their hearts. And, and statistically, people who win the lotto, they're broke within six years. Why? Because they never change the inside. You can have brothers out of the ghetto. I've seen them many times. Guys that I went to school with came right out of the ghetto. They got a contract with the NFL, and then they got locked up for selling drugs, even though they had a million-dollar contract. Why? Because you can take them out of the ghetto. But they didn't hook up with a mentor to help get the ghetto out of them. They kept coming back home and hanging out with us. I said, boy, you better stop all this. <laughs> You're going to get killed it. 
So God, saints of God, it's about the peace of God, which passes all understanding. So if you're going to live in the overflow, you're going to have to live in some peace because the overflow is not going to be consistent. At some point, you're going to have some valleys and you're going to have some mountains. But how are you going to act when you're down in the valley of the shadow of death? Then you, are you still going to say I'm in the overflow? Oh, uh, you should. Because it doesn't matter what my situation looks like. I'm still in the overflow. Somebody say hallelujah. Because, see, don't take how I look to mean that I don't have God. See, when the, when the three Hebrew boys was in that chamber, Azaniah, Mishael, and what was the other one? All right, come on now. And the Billy goes, somebody say it, right? But we know them as what? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. See, that, that was their Babylonian name, but that was not the Hebrew name. So when they went in the fiery furnace, you know, guess what? They said something that was amazing. They said, the God we serve is able to save us. But see, this is the part, this is the part that we might miss. But they said, but even if he doesn't. See, that's the part that you got to understand. If you're going to live life in the overflow, what if God don't do what you ask him to do? Because he may not be on your timetable. And you might not be ready for what God wants to give you. And you might have to go through some hell so he can scrub you of some stuff. And see, if you're not ready for the, for the scripting and the shifting, then you're not ready for the next position. So it's peace. Somebody say it's peace. So if you want to live in overflow, you got to live in peace. There was one time when the enemy took Jesus up on a high pinnacle on a mountaintop, and he said, Jesus... I can give you all of this, and all you have to do is worship me. Oh, it's not much, Jesus. All you have to do is worship me. I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. He, all, your, it's your, all you have to do is worship me. It's just a little. All you have to do, listen, all you have to do is go by and see how that woman is doing. At 1130 tonight, she, she wants to have a Bible study. Uh-huh. See, see, the devil, the devil will trick you. All, you. all you have to do is lie a little bit. Just a little bit. Oh, you can steal. That's, you can steal that. Won't nobody know. You just, you know, listen, all you need to do is compromise just a little on your standards. Won't nobody know. Who's going to know? It's all right. You can do that. See, that's what the enemy does. He just shows you a little bit. He says, oh, just a little bit. I give you all of this just for a little bit. An adulterous affair don't start off in the bed. It start off with a wink and a nod. <laughs> That's how it starts. In the church. I ain't talking about in the world. I'm talking about in worship. <laughs> Wife just worshiping. Hallelujah. She cried. That brother looking. <laughs> Sneaking deacon. Pentecostal pimps in the house. We shouldn't be having the saints of God. Walk in some peace if you're going to overflow. Y'all want the next one? I'm trying to get you out of here. If you don't know your purpose, it's easy for you to, to compromise, to be complacent, and to get idle. Write this down. Idleness is the door to weakness, and weakness is the entry point to sin. Idleness is the door to weakness, and weakness is the entry point to sin. Every purpose is tied to a plan. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, 
They are plans for good and not for disaster and to give you a future and a hope. Proverbs 16.9 says this, a man plans his ways, but the Lord orders his steps. Let me tell you something, saints. If you don't have a plan, why should God bless it? Write your plan down. Make it plain so that he who reads it, the he is you. Because if you're not running with it, watch us, anybody else. So that he who reads it can run with it. Amen? Write your plan. If you got a business idea, you come to me at the bank, you ain't getting no money unless you got a plan. A lot of business ideas in here. Get your business plan together. Make it plain. Run with it yourself so somebody else can. There's some of you not even supposed to be working right now. You're supposed to be running your own business. You're going to talk yourself out of it. Because you don't, you, I don't have this, and I don't have that, and I ain't got this, and I don't have this. Well, you got God, and that should be enough. Amen? So go ahead and do it. Step out there in faith and do what God has called you to do. Listen, everything ain't going to be peachy. I'm going to tell you that right now. When you think everything was just hunky door when we started this church, we're, we're mom and pop compared to big box churches. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just wanted to give you that analogy. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? We're a mom and pop shop, right? But we, we, we got all of these big box churches. Amen? And, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with a big box. I was in big box churches. But, but I just didn't have that family feel and the laughter and the fun-loving place that I wanted that I was looking for. And I think you, you're the same way, too, because you would be in a big box right now. Amen. Now, listen, I'm not knocking it. If that's what you're looking for, praise God. However, I don't want to say it's in competition, but it's hard to compete when, you, when they got 50,000 programs. <laughs> you know, we're barely making it. Amen. But listen, we're making it. And we're making a difference. Amen. That's good enough for God. Then that's good enough for me. Amen. Because we're going to keep on plowing. You're going to plow with me? So you got to have some peace. And you need to know your purpose. God would not direct you if you don't have a plan and, and, and a purpose behind what you want to do. Let me give you the last one. This is it. You got to have some peace to operate in the overflow. You got to have your purpose. Understand what it is. God wants to bless you. What is your purpose in life? What has God called you to do? You won't find out outside of God. And last, you got to have some passion. You got to walk in peace. You got to know your purpose. And you got to have some passion about what you're doing. See, nobody is going to follow you as a business leader if you don't have any passion about what you do. Nobody's going to join this church if they didn't see that the leaders in the house ha at least had some passion about what they do. You didn't come in here for some type of uh, monolithic. You get up there, you, you come in here, and, and you, you, I, see, I stand here the whole time, and I go, open your Bibles. God will bless you. Oh, yes, he will. You guys will get up and walk out of here, won't you? Why? Because you ain't looking for that. You're looking for somebody who's been through a little hell in their life, and you're looking for a pastor who may not have been born in the Holy Ghost. Somebody who actually lived, went to the club. I was out there too. Somebody that has experienced a little life that could come in here and tell you, if God saved me, he can save you too. See, we serve the same God. And I am passionate about this God. Listen, if I can go to the club and dance with some passion, I can certainly dance for God. Yeah. You're not going to do it if you don't have any peace. 
If you don't understand your purpose and if you don't have any passion behind what you do, you can't operate in the overflow. You can send that $100 check all you want. You're not going to do it. Just send it here, by the way. <laughs> At least you're getting some truth here. Let me give you this one last thing and we're going to pray. Write this down. Revelation without inspiration produces stagnation. Revelation, y'all, I know I'm going to see this on Facebook. I already know it. Y'all probably already putting it out there right now. <laughs> Pastor said this today. Revelation without inspiration produces stagnation. And then the second part of that, inspiration without information produces frustration. Let me go back through it again. Re <laughs> Revelation without inspiration produces stagnation. Inspiration without information produces frustration. I want to close by saying this. You will not be able to experience the overflow if you're not in revelation. We hope you've been blessed by today's powerful teaching. Thank you for your continued prayers and financial support of this ministry. Visit us in person at 5805 West Highway 74 in Indian Trail, North Carolina. That's near Lowe's Hardware. Or you can find us on the web at www.changeatc3.org. That's change, C-H-A-N-G-E-A-T-C, the number 3.org. Or call us at 704-821-7368. Covenant Community Church, where the truth is revealed.